It's on the second lesson that comes from Colossians. Um, Again, we have here a a list of different ways that we can say thank you to our Lord. And here's the list. We'll just start with the first verse. It says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for men. This is the word of our Lord. Pay it forward. Uh, It's the name of a movie and a book that came out some time ago. It's about a 12-year-old boy who took on the challenge that came from his social studies teacher to come up with a plan that would change the world. And his idea was that it would start with just one person who had three acts of kindness towards three different people. And then those three different people would each touch the lives of three other different people with acts of kindness as well. And the idea was that it would be a chain reaction. It would just spread to the entire world and change the world is what he wanted. And it's an interesting concept. It really is. Because we are used to turning around and thanking the person who did something kind to us. But this type, this this idea of pay it forward is to rather, instead of turning around and paying the person back for what they did through thanks, you rather pay it forward indirectly, thanking them by going to somebody else and serving them. I want you to keep that thought in mind as we just review for a moment the outline of the book of Colossians that we've been studying for the last several weeks. In the book of Colossians, uh, the problem that was in this congregation, the reason for which Paul had to write was that between the Jewish influence, this Gnostic influence, as well as the influence from some angel worshipers, there was this idea that something additional had to be done for their salvation. Christ did so much for them, but now they had to do something in addition to what Christ did. And so the Apostle Paul writes this letter to them to tell them exactly what Christ did so that they don't have to think that anything more is additional. Um, We've been talking about this term identity or profile throughout this sermon series. That our Savior Jesus took our identity, our sinful identity on himself and allowed God to punish him for all the sins that we've committed same time he gave to us his identity a perfect identity so that when God judges us he doesn't base that his judgment on us based off of the things that we've done but rather off the perfect life that Christ lived for us we are perfect we are adopted children of God we are forgiven and we are on our way to heaven because of what he did it's done with a gift like that you would think that we would have no problem thanking our God for what he's done for us, right? We don't have a problem when someone just opens the door for us to say to them, thank you, right, immediately. And when somebody gives to us a gift, we turn around and we'll even take the time to write out a thank you note to them, thanking them for the gift that they gave to us. How much more so when someone sacrifices their life for us saves us from an eternity in hell, adopts us as his children, gives us an inheritance that's worth more than all the riches in this world. 
how much more so are we willing to thank him? And I bet you'd even say that you'd be willing to serve him your entire life. But what our Savior says to us is when we go to him and say, how can I thank you for what you have done? He turns to us and he says, don't serve me. If you want to serve me, or if you want to thank me, serve me by serving others. Serve me by serving your wife. Serve me by serving your husband. Serve me by serving your children, your parents, your employers, your employees. Serve me by serving even unbelievers. See, this is, this is the reason why living a life of thanks to God is so difficult, because it's not done directly to God. It's done indirectly, right? It's kind of like this idea of pay it forward. Instead of turning around and paying Jesus back, he says, no, pay it forward in a sense. We can never pay back Jesus for what he did, right? But he says, to give thanks, to serve me, serve others. And it would be different if we could physically see Jesus, if we would be able to follow him around like his personal servant. I think we'd be willing to do that every minute of every day, right? But this is more difficult. And that's why the Pay It Forward campaign failed miserably. Because this indirect thanksgiving. There's a lot more wiggle room there, isn't there? When we are asked, instead of thanking somebody who did something kind to us, when we are asked to go and, and do three kind things to somebody else, or to live a life of kindness to other people, what happens? Our sinful nature can easily take over. There's a lot of wiggle room there. And we'll be kind to others when it's convenient to us. We'll show our kindness and serve other people who we want to serve. And if we don't do anything, nobody's going to know. Right? See, even though our Savior gave to us this perfect identity in Christ, the sinful nature that we have continues to do what it does. It is selfish. It is mean. It is not thoughtful. It's even greedy. And it's lazy. So we have in our lesson a number of, of points of how we can live a life of thanks. And I'll be honest with you, it's kind of embarrassing that the Apostle Paul even has to say these things to us. And he, start, he ends our lesson by talking about um, unbelievers, how we should be living and acting around unbelievers. And you wonder, does he really have to say that to us? I mean, if anybody should know what it's like to be saved from the depths of hell, we should. And we should keep that in mind as there's unbelievers around us. You work with so many unbelievers, have friends, family who are unbelievers, and so we're going to consciously always think about those people. Well, we don't always do it. He understands that. In fact, it might even be the case that sometimes there are some of your friends, some of your co-workers who are unbelievers who may not even know that you are a Christian. Maybe it's because we haven't always lived our life as the Apostle Paul suggests here. And he hits a little bit closer to home as he talks about how we can show our thanks to him. And again, it's embarrassing that he has to say this to us, but he talks about this relationship between employers and employees. He talks about slaves versus masters. In our day, the correlation would be employees to, employee, employees to employers. Right? 
He tells us, embarrassingly, when you go to work, work. Does, does he really have to say that? But he does, doesn't he? He does. He has to say, work even when your boss is not watching over you. See, he has to say that because he understands who we are by nature. He understands we are lazy. And we won't always work hard. And the most embarrassing point of all that he makes is when he, he, not, he hits home. Literally, he hits home. And he tells us how to love the people that we love. The people in our own family. Imagine, he tells husbands, love your wives. Because he knows that we're not always going to be showing that love. He says, wives, submit to your husbands because he knows that at times women are not going to want to submit to their husbands and accept them as the head of their household. He says to children, obey your parents. See, somewhere out there, there is a toddler, there is a teenager, there is a, an adult who thinks that their parent is a fool, is not listening to them, and is only disrespecting them. He knows that. He says to parents, he says, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. He understands that sometimes when we say we are disciplining our children in love, the reality is we're reacting out of anger. Apostle Paul knows us, God knows us well, and he knows that even though Christ has given to us a perfect identity, the reality is our sinful nature still lurks behind But you see, despite the fact of how we live, despite the assumptions that the Apostle Paul makes about the way that we live our lives, we do not have to worry about the identity that Christ gave to us, this profile that he gave to us ever going away. See, 2,000 years ago, before you were even born, before you were even able to do anything to earn this profile that you have been given to you, God declared you to be perfect, innocent, a child of God. Right? He showed his unconditional love for you through Savior Jesus when he served you. See, this unconditional love for you started way back before the world was even began. And he looked at you and decided that he was going to love you with an unconditional love. And that unconditional love continued to move forward. As Adam and Eve sinned, there was an opportunity for him to show an incredible amount of unconditional love towards you when he sent his son Jesus into this world. And Jesus lived his entire life for you, living for you, serving you, your whole life, his whole life. Even to the point of going to the cross, he served you. And when he was there on the cross, he was thinking of you. He gave up his life for you. And he did all of that because he wanted to give you that perfect profile. But, but consider this for a moment. He didn't just do it for you, but he did it for even the people that you love. For the people in this world, everybody. Which means, again, the embarrassing thought is that there was somebody who showed more love to our own spouse, to our own children, to our own parents than we did. But our Savior doesn't come to us and, call, and, and take the credit for us. No, he gives us the credit for what he did. 
Instead, for all those times that you weren't loving to your wife, when you did not submit to your husband, when you were not obedient to your parents, or when you, out of, out of anger, reacted to your children, your Savior took those sins away from you on himself, and he allowed God to punish him for all that you did. And that's embarrassing to think about that somebody else had to pay for those sins for you, isn't it? But our Savior doesn't come to us and, and force you to admit that embarrassing fact. He simply gives you his perfect profile. You are a forgiven child of God. A gift like that causes us to take a step back and say to our Lord, how can I thank you? And the answer that Jesus gives to us is incredible. Because, you see, that unconditional love that traveled through time and hit you doesn't stop with you. But rather, now it goes through you. Where he says, if you want to thank me, if you want to serve me, serve me by serving others. See, the pay it forward campaign doesn't work because it lacks the proper motivation. Think about it. It's kind of sad that people can't even do three acts of kindness for other people, and it's failed miserably, hasn't it? But yet our God has put in front of us not three, but numerous, numerous opportunities to serve him. How is something like that going to possibly succeed? Only if the motivation is there. And think about what our Savior has done for us. He lived his life to serve you and me, to save us from an eternity in hell, so that we could be called brothers and sisters of Christ. He's done everything for us. And so Paul now, understanding the entire rest of the book of Colossians, what he presented to us, now he goes into this beautiful uh, list of how we can show specifically our thanks to God. This is what he says. He starts off talking to wives. He says, wives, submit to your husband. That is, put yourself under the direction of, of your husband as the head of your family. Treat him with respect and honor. Not because he is necessarily the sharpest knife in the drawer. Okay? Not because he's always right and has this sage type of wisdom about him. No. But rather, when you are serving your husband, you're serving the Lord, aren't you? Jesus says, if you want to thank me, if you want to serve me, serve he says to wives, or he says to husbands, sorry, husbands, love your wives, not because your wives will always be lovable, but love them even when they are not lovable, and love them even if they don't reciprocate that love back to you immediately, or even later on. Simply love them. If you want to thank me, if you want to serve me, Jesus says, serve them. He says, children, obey your parents. Not because your parents are always going to understand you. Not because they're always going to be the, the parent of the year. Not because they're always going to be patient. But simply serve them. It's a way that you can thank me, Jesus says. And serve me. Fathers, do not embitter your children, he says. Or they will become discouraged. Paul is saying that your children are going to make mistakes, and they're going to make a lot of them. And the way in which you react to those mistakes is going to form your children, for better or for worse. So on the one hand, you don't want to spoil them. 
On the other hand, you don't want to react out of anger towards him either. Rather in love. That's how we treat and deal with our children always. For their good and in love. Another way to thank our Savior is by serving even our children. Putting aside our own emotions to serve them. Employees. What does he say? He talks here in employees about slaves to masters, but for us it's employees to employers. And he says to you, and I think this is something that really builds us up. It doesn't matter what your job is, how miserable you may think your job is. It changes the way you look at your job when you see that you're there not to serve your boss, even if your boss thinks you are. You're there to serve the Lord. And that changes everything. It means that you're not going to be working hard just when your boss is watching you because you're not working for your boss. You're working for the Lord. It changes the entire way you look at your work. Everything you do, so many opportunities, not just three, so many opportunities to serve your Lord. But then he goes on even further. This is what he says, uh, starting in verse 2 of chapter 4. Paul starts talking about prayer. He says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. In chains. Uh, pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. See, we know what Christ did for us, and so therefore we are serving. Paul makes a list of people who are physically, locally around us that we can serve, but he doesn't stop there. He says he gives us the opportunity to pray to serve people who are not even on the same continent that we are by praying for them. And he says specifically to pray for people's spiritual needs. I don't know where I would be today or where this church would be today if it wasn't for your prayers and for the prayers of so many people around our synod around this world who are praying for us. It's something for you to think about. How can you pray you know, pray for your pastors. Pray for me. Pray for Pastor Tim. Pray for his Sunday school teachers, the Bible study leaders. Pray for pastors and missionaries around the world that they teach God's word clearly and truthfully, as it says in our lesson. But it doesn't stop there. He even goes a step further to how you can serve the unbelievers that are in your lives. Right? That is, putting aside your own wants and your desires, and doing everything to make a good impression for them. See, your, your Lord has put you in a place where you are in contact with unbelievers. You are. And the way that you act, the way that you live, is going to make a real impression on them, for good or for bad. Right? Consider how you can be a good example to who Christians are so that we can have the opportunity someday to tell them about who our Savior is. My prayer for you is that as we wrap up this sermon series, I've just really enjoyed going through the book of Colossians and just considering the the sufficiency, the supremacy of Christ in our lives. He did everything for us. Nothing further needs to be done. But now he gives us an opportunity to serve him after giving us this incredible gift. And the way he does it is incredible, isn't it? He says, you can serve me by serving others. Amen. Please stand.